It is officially 2021. We can say that. We can celebrate. We can say Happy New Year to everybody who listens and follows the uh, Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John Abbott, and we have a very special guest with uh, Peter Sashecki today, uh, who is our regular, who brings you all of that uh, great personal insight on an episode-by-episode basis. Um, at Everything Financial, uh, certainly that is the place to go uh, to uh, build your portfolio, to take care of all of your financial needs and uh, to, to get you on the path to su- success. But they're at Everything Mortgages right now as well. And uh, that applies to our guest today. Avitri Tron is going to join us uh, to talk about maybe common misconceptions, maybe pitfalls. Uh, he's going to help us uh, steer things in the right direction. Vitri, welcome to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. Thanks, John. Really happy to be here. And uh, Peter, I know that this is the second time we've had Vitri on, uh, but it's, it's an important thing to continue to head home as far as uh, mortgages and your overall uh, financial perspective, isn't it? Absolutely, John, and Happy New Year to you. The, the mortgage talk is more than just a product. It's not just buying a mortgage for your house. The mortgage really has to be part of your overall financial plan. And at Everything Financial, we make it a key part of your Omni formula. So that it's just not a product that you seem to have forever and ever. We want to show you how to make your mortgage tax deductible, which Vitri is going to talk about today, and how to make that one of the biggest assets, your home, not just this albatross of mortgage around your neck. Make your mortgage where it works for you and it provides more wealth to your family and more importantly, more tax savings because gosh knows we love to stick it to the government here whenever we can. Well, you got to make it work for you. I think that's the biggest thing that you just touched on. You have to make your mortgage work for you. And so we're going to provide you uh, plenty of good tips and uh, insight along the way. And uh, I think that's another thing, uh, just before we dive in here, another thing to keep in mind is that uh, there's so many misconceptions, it seems, um, as to exactly what your mortgage is doing, how to structure it, um, and how to take advantage of things. So we will uh, turn to Vitri in a couple of minutes. First, we want to thank everybody for listening and subscribing to the Your Money Personal Finance podcast uh, in partnership with Everything Financial through 11 episodes, uh, including the New Year's resolution one, which was fantastic to be able to, to count down some of those resolutions heading into the new year. Uh, many thanks for following along. You can find us at the Everything Financial YouTube channel as well. All right, Vitri, uh, your turn to take the spotlight as we uh, turn it over to you and dive right in here on uh, the everything mortgage talk. I, I think a lot of people see the lowest priced option, uh, the least financial commitment and think that is the road for me. I'm spending all this money elsewhere. <laughs> I had to buy the house. I had to uh, you know, buck up to make that investment. Uh, but looking at the five-year mortgage rate is, is uh, um, something we need to investigate a little bit. For sure, John, you're absolutely right. And I just want to start by addressing some of the misconceptions out there and a little bit of the bait and switch advertising that's going on right now. Like those super low mortgage rates that you see advertised out there, not everyone can qualify for those. And, you know, they say in the very fine print, who can? And it's a very specific market segment. So you have to be buying a home under a million dollars and having less than 20% down payment. So 5, 10, 15%, something like that. So when you go and see these people who are advertising this, it's a bit of a bait and switch because they say, well, you know, it's that bright in the door, but you actually don't qualify for that because you already own your home. It's worth a million and a half. You can't qualify for this. And so try this other product we have that is a little bit more in rate. So you know, watch out for that. And is it true that sometimes the lowest rate kind of puts you into the crosshairs of, of potentially some, some penalties? 
Absolutely. Some of these lowest rates are discounted so much that what comes into play later on when you have to renew your mortgage, it's called an IRD penalty. It could be super high because it's, it's interest rate differential. So later on, when rates uh, go up, your discount is, is factored in to your penalty. So you could end up paying a lot more for your mortgage. And as we know, John, the average mortgage in Canada renews every 38 months, right? Someone breaks their mortgage every 38 months. So you could get caught in that quite easily. And another thing on these low rates, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Another thing on these low rates is a lot of them have what's called the sales clause on them. So what that means is, you know, three or four years in, you want to take out some money to renovate your home. You can't do that. The only way to break this mortgage within the first five years is to sell your home. It's a sales clause. So you have to really watch out for that. And Peter, I just was going to turn to you quickly. Sorry, Vitri, uh, for the, the momentary interruption there. Uh, why do you think, you know, is it just the dollar signs that attract people to this in the first place, Peter? Or is it uh, a combination of not necessarily knowing how to structure it to their benefits? Uh, you know, I, I think it's something that people just know they need to have, and maybe that's it. Yeah, and it's a, it's a combination of the two. We've been brainwashed in Canada by the big banks for years that five-year rate, I'm sure Vitri will touch on this, but it's, it's commission-driven business. It's people trying to sell the longest term, the best commission, and who are they looking after? And a mortgage broker is not a fiduciary. The mortgage salesperson at the bank is not a fiduciary, meaning they're not acting in your best interest. They're in the interest of the institution they work for. So you get brainwashed looking at a rate, but as we're going to talk about in a minute, there's different ways to actually calculate interest too. There's compound interest, and then there's simple interest. So people have to realize it's not just a rate. It's no different than when we talk about investments in mutual funds where people are selling rates. Well, guess what? Past rates and future rates aren't on sale. You have to look at the big picture, the overall plan, and then really figure out excuse me, what the cost is, not the rate, but as Vitri is alluding to with the penalties, what the cost is over time, and then you see what you're truly paying on the mortgage. Yeah, let me, let me add to that, Peter. When a client calls them, the first question out of their mouth is, you know, what's the lowest rate? What's the lowest rate I can get? And, and that's the only thing they're thinking about. That's the wrong question. Right? You shouldn't be asking that. You should actually be asking, how do I save money overall on my mortgage? Well, and, and I think tied into this as well, um, let's jump ahead to uh, where the banks come into play. Because uh, if you follow along the Everything Financial, uh, Your Money, Personal Finance podcast, you'll know that uh, that seems to be a familiar theme where uh, Peter is continually reminding people that uh, trust only applies to trust fund when it comes to the banks, perhaps. Um, and, and that's about it. Uh, this is another uh, one of those avenues, Peter, where uh, the bank is all too ready to steer you into uh, something that's going to benefit them maybe more than it's going to benefit you. Absolutely. I mean, I've had mortgage brokers who are clients too in the past, and it's amazing watching people who are commission driven, how may, they may go into this with eyes wide open and these great ideas about we're going to do this really good for people. But when you start getting bonus trips to the Bahamas and the Barbados, and and we're talking six-figure bonuses if you hit sales quotas, it's amazing how quickly um, the good ideas about trying to help people with the best thing go by the wayside really quickly. And this is where you want to go to someone independent who 
doesn't have bonuses tied in, who's really in it for your overall plan, not pushing a product. Because guess what? You're going to have that mortgage for probably 15, 20, 25 years. So why not look at a plan that's going to maybe pay it off and convert it over in half the time? And contrary to popular belief, one of the worst ways to pay down your mortgage is biweekly accelerated. So that's a whole other topic we'll get into. But guess what? That's the only thing you hear about from the banks because it prevents you from looking down other avenues. Do you think the bank's really telling you the best way to pay off your house? Because that comes right against their profit. They're not telling you the best way to pay off your house. They're telling you the way that emotionally appeals to you so you won't look at an alternative. That's the bank's job. And Vitri, I'm sure you have an opinion and can weigh in on some experience with this as well. Yeah, so I actually used to work on the other side at the bank. I actually worked for several banks. And you know what they say is true. Like What Peter's saying is all absolutely true. It's a sales-driven organization first and foremost. Everything they do, all the bonuses, uh, every meeting with your manager is all tied to sales. It's tied to you know, how much did you uh, sell to this client? Like, what kind of rate did you give them? If you discounted your rate, your bonus is lower. Uh, for, for the mobile mortgage people, if they discount, if they give you a good rate, they're making half of what they normally make. So the banks won't give you the lowest rate right off the bat because of commission, right? They'll only do that when uh, after competition comes into play. So if you have the time and the willingness to shop through different places and bring those offers to your bank, then they're willing to you know, look at sharpening their pencil. Now, no offense here to the people who sell cars for a living, but remember the old jokes we all make about when you go to buy a car and the guy says, hmm, let's see if I can do a better job. I'll go talk to my manager. When you're at the bank and the salesperson says, let me go talk to my manager, quickly get up, grab your stuff, say thank you very much and run for the door as fast as you can because that's the only way you're going to get out of their clutches. And it doesn't stop there either, uh, Peter and Vitri. When you think of uh, when you think of getting mortgage insurance, when you think of bringing in uh, potentially trying to expand a conversation, uh, it's probably difficult to have a, a conversation with somebody that is only interested at uh, speaking uh, one thing back at you. Perhaps the conversation is only expanded when you're talking about going to a competitor. But uh, it, it seems like if you are going down this road, um, even though ill-advised or maybe it's, it's necessary, you really have to have your background info. You have to have some ammo with you. Is that right, Vitri? Absolutely. Yeah. No, you, you definitely need to know what your options are out there in the market. And just be aware once, when, you know, you alluded to this, when you're in the bank, they're talking about the mortgages and it comes time to sign the documents. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll try to slip in the mortgage insurance into the signing documents. They'll just say, sign here and you know this is the mortgage insurance sign here they won't even explain it to you and if they do they'll try to do it really short not tell you what it's all about and just hope you don't ask any questions yeah remember the insurance too as part of your actual overall plan and as you said the i mean huge bonuses and commissions for the bankers selling the mortgage insurance except on average you're paying 40 percent more in premium for mortgage insurance through the bank than you are by going out and buying an independent policy. Looking at a policy of part of your plan also lets you decide how much you need. Because remember with the bank, with the mortgage insurance, it declines. So if you're, you're paying a premium on a 
$500,000 mortgage, let's say. So that's how much insurance you have. And God forbid you pass away and you have $400,000 left on that mortgage. They're not paying you the $500,000 you're paying the premium on. They're paying the $400,000. And guess what? It doesn't go to you. It goes to the bank to pay off the mortgage. But here's a financial planning tip for everyone. If you had $500,000 of insurance and only owed $400,000, you're probably better off investing that $500,000 in something, even making a small rate of interest and use the interest and a bit of the principal to pay off your mortgage payments every month. And maybe at the end of the 10 or 15 years, you might still have two or $300,000 left over of that initial $500,000. In other words, you're getting way more bang for your buck and you're not overpaying. And one more word on the mortgage insurance. Be aware, like, do you actually have mortgage insurance? Because it is back-end underwriting or post-claim underwriting, right, Peter? Yeah, that is true, Dietrich. So, which means every time your mortgage renews, so we talked about this 38 months Vitri was mentioning to, it's as if your, your health questions are starting all over again. So what if something happens to you and you're uninsurable? Then guess what? They're not paying out the insurance because technically they do their underwriting at death. With an independent policy, it's a picture of your health that day. And as long as you can qualify on that day, the coverage is good. Again, if something unfortunate happens, you get cancer later on or a heart attack, something that would make you uninsurable. But with an independent policy, once you have the policy, you're set. As long as obviously there's no fraud, you told the truth, you're insured, you're good to go and you have that policy. Whereas the mortgage insurance, there's loopholes and you're paying 40% more to have loopholes. Gee, that sounds like a really great deal. Is that the biggest difference, the conversation we're having when somebody is directed to you, Peter, uh, president of Everything Financial, everythingfinancial.com, or you, Vitri, uh, Vitri Tron, with Everything Mortgages at Everything Financial? Is that the biggest difference in all this is just an upfront conversation and a better understanding of how things work and how things fit for you? Yeah. Full disclosure, full transparency. That's what is, as a registered financial planner, that's what we have to do. That's what Everything Financial is committed to. Full transparency, full disclosure, have the conversation. A financial planner's job and a financial planner's, you know, who works at a firm and what Vitri does with us, besides being the mortgage expert at Everything Financial, he's also an advisor at Everything Financial too. And the whole thing is not to sell anyone a product. The whole thing is to educate the client. And if they don't need something, we tell them, you don't need it and we don't get paid, it's not our job to get paid. It's our job first to educate the client, build the plan, and then go from there. I mean, don't advise people to buy things they don't need or don't sell them something they don't need because it puts money in your pocket. The job of a fiduciary is to give the person the best item or recommend the best item they need for them. And if you don't carry that item, so I'll give you an exact example for Vitri because he won't say this himself. He's a little too modest but I've seen it where we weren't able to get the client the right mortgage for their situation. So Vitri sets them up with someone else at another firm and says, this is who you should go to. They've got the right product for you. That's what a fiduciary does. Turns away the business to the right person. If that's the best thing for the client and that's what everyone should be doing in Canada, but unfortunately they're not. 
And Vitri, you're nodding uh, for those that uh, can't see it because uh, you've had that experience uh, as well. So we continue to hammer home that point. Uh, I think it steers us to the next category. And this to me is the biggest one, perhaps of what we're talking about, especially in the province we're broadcasting from British Columbia. And that's uh, being house rich, but cash poor. And that's probably the biggest, uh, one of the biggest pitfalls of being steered in the wrong direction is uh, yes, you need to take care of your house, and, and uh, there's only so many ways to do that. Uh, however, you'd probably want to retire when, you, when you'd like to retire. Uh, being part of the, the Everything Financial slogan with your Omni formula, you may not be able to do that if you are stuck in this never-ending uh, payment system. Uh, Vitri, I have to imagine you encounter this uh, quite often where uh, the, the cash for the house is in the house and everything else is uh, just a, a desperate swing. Absolutely, John. You know, having met with a lot of clients since that first podcast, a lot of them have been calling about their mortgage and wondering how to pay off their mortgage faster. And the most common thing is you hear them just killing themselves, trying to get this mortgage to zero by the time they retire. And then we look at their overall financial plan and they have nothing else. They haven't started saving for retirement because they've been putting all of their extra money into paying off this mortgage. So we really have to ask them why and, and really get them changing their outlook from looking at the home as a debt to looking at the home as a net worth, right? How can we increase your net worth? Because that's really what you need to do. Build both sides of the balance sheet. Yes, pay down debt, but at the same time, if you don't have any savings and you don't have the income in retirement, you may end up being trapped like a lot of Canadians, uh, you know, house rich, cash poor. And that's why companies like the reverse mortgage companies have been doubling and tripling year after year. It's because Canadians are falling into that uh, cash flow trap. Part, part of this too comes from, no offense, but our parents or even older, our grandparents, where they really didn't have anything else. They didn't have investment choices. There wasn't financial planning. There was pay off your house, or go to the stock market, but that's only for the rich people back in the day to go for the stock market. So the house was their asset. It was their sanctuary. It was the only thing they had back in the day. Well, now there's so many other choices to build a proper plan. Look at your house, as Vitri said, just part of your plan where your mortgage payment is really a lease or a rent payment. I mean, having that payment at a proper level so you have money for the other things is important. The one negative thing about a house that can be changed very easily, and you hear Canadians say it all the time, boy, I wish we could write off the interest on our mortgage like they do in the States. We hear it constantly. Well, people, for over 20 years now in Canada, you can write off the interest on your house, uh, the interest on the mortgage on your house, just like in the States. And that has nothing to do with operating a business from your home. There's a way to do it. There's very specific rules in place. And in, when we see it being applicable, we explain it to clients because debt is one thing. Debt is not always a good thing, but tax deductible debt is a very good thing because tax deductible debt, especially for those people who in the high income brackets paying 40 plus percent in tax, that tax deductible debt can move you forward in your financial plan in a hurry. So imagine having a mortgage payment where all the interest is tax deductible. That's an asset that'll work for you 10 times over. And that's a key thing to find out. And guess what? You're not gonna get that from the salesperson who wants to lock you in to 
the mortgage that looks like it's cheap <clears throat> with the proper rate, but at the end, it's just going to cost you because there's nothing in it for them to show you the actual proper plan. They don't get paid to do that. So that's something you should do in the new year in 2021 is look at making that big asset the home tax deductible. And sometimes it can start very little with a very tiny portion, but it'll put a lot of money in your pocket and make you no longer, you know, cash poor, house rich, et cetera. It'll make that balance sheet, like Vitri said, proper, even on both sides. So you can actually think about the work optional lifestyle. Then you can retire when you want to retire. You're not retiring because you have to retire. You work because you want to work, not because you have to work. That's key. To add to that, Peter, I would say that a lot of your financial advisors out there don't actually know how to incorporate the home into the financial plan correctly. And there's a lot of things you can do with tax deductions to accelerate your plan, all with the equity in your home. It just no one knows that out there. I'll give you an example of this one, John, because it's fresh in my mind. We had a client come in back actually just before COVID started back in early 2020, had 30 years on the mortgage. They were, it was new to them. High income earner, highest tax bracket, which is definitely bad, but to their benefit in this case, we showed them a simple type of plan to take a 30-year mortgage and they were able to knock it down in half by doing a, a large portion of the mortgage we were able to make tax deductible. Now, because coming out of the pandemic, the fortunate thing was the stock markets went crazy through just good luck and a bit of proper timing, which was not intentional. They happened to invest the money right at the bottom of the market in the pandemic. We've knocked another five years off that mortgage payback because they ended up making so much money so quickly and doing the right structure and having the right plan in place. They, their mortgage is now, it was 30 years ago. It was 30 year mortgage, sorry, a year ago. And now it's closer to 10 just through actually proper planning and tax planning. Here's the thing, Vitri, me, whoever, the mortgage isn't even with us actually, it's with one of the major banks, but we had them structure it in a way, the bank wasn't thrilled about it. Bank didn't want them to do it that way, but we told them to structure it in a way that was to their benefit. The reason their mortgage is with the bank, they got a skookum deal. It was something that they just happened to negotiate that was great. So we said, leave the mortgage there with the bank, they said, but let's structure it this way. And now they're years ahead of where they thought they would be. That's the advice people should be getting from a fiduciary, from a registered financial planner firm that actually is looking for their best interest. Putting money in your pocket makes everybody money in the end. Because guess what? They're going to invest more with us and they're going to do more planning. They're going to send friends to us, which they've already done. Everybody makes more money. That's the key. Your money, you might as well keep some of it. That sounds good to me. I think that's what we're all here for, uh, to help those uh, listening and subscribing to the Your Money. There it is, Personal Finance Podcast. Uh, this is episode 12, Talking Mortgages uh, with Everything Financial President Peter Sashecki, as well as uh, Vitri Trung from Everything Financial with Everything Mortgages now. Uh, you can find them at everythingfinancial.com. Vitri, uh, one quick one I wanted to sneak in there, and I'm hearing a lot of it uh, with people that I know at this time. And Peter, you kind of alluded to it, uh, tied into the pandemic, uh, some rates have fluctuated, so all of a sudden there's a push to refinance your mortgage. When should you do that, and what are some of the the, uh, the pitfalls in potentially not doing that at the right time? Absolutely, John. No, it's a great time to refinance when you have uh, 
a need to refinance, right? Like don't refinance for the sake of refinancing. A lot of people are getting, a lot of banks and mortgage brokers are getting clients to pay the penalty, break their mortgage, chasing that low rate. And, and, and oftentimes starting that 25, 30 year mortgage cycle all over again, uh, just with the lure of that low rate. Well, does that actually make sense for you to do, right? I personally, for a lot of people, I don't think it does. A five-year fixed rate mortgage or a five-year variable rate mortgage, I think only fits a very tiny segment of the market. I think pretty much if you can, if you have the equity, you really actually want to refinance into a HELOC type of product uh, for all the benefits that a HELOC provides. And, you know, we've just come through 2020 where there's been this health crisis and there's been a lot of people out of work, a lot of people having a tough time making ends meet. With the HELOC, your home equity can jump in and help you out when times are tough. In a regular five-year fixed rate mortgage, even at a skookum rate, if you don't have the cash to make those mortgage payments, you're hooped. There are only so many options that you have from that point forward. You can get a super expensive second mortgage. You can go to even more expensive credit cards. You know, Some people are refinancing their car to get the extra cash to pay off those bills. None of this makes any sense. And so you might be looking at those rates going, that's really attractive, but how much is it going to cost you in the end? And, and just to be clear, some people who don't know, HELOC means home equity line of credit. So it is still a mortgage because it's registered against your property, but it's a line of credit. And one of the great features of it, not that you want to depend on this, is if times are tough, if it's between paying your mortgage and not paying your mortgage, you can pay interest only. The key to a HELOC is though, or an equity line of credit, is work with someone who actually can show you how to pay it down properly so you actually are going to be way ahead of a five-year mortgage for sure. Because again, simple interest versus compound interest is one of the keys. But you can't look at it as your own personal PEZ dispenser of money and at your own personal ATM machine. You still have to work with an advisor, work with your registered financial planner, to build it in your plan to make sure you're getting ahead, paying down debt when you can. But at least it might give you a little bit of a reprieve if times are tough and you've been furloughed out of work for a while or whatever the case may be for any reason, not just the pandemic, but anything could happen in a health crisis, you're out of work. So it's nice to have flexibility. Doesn't always have to be your entire mortgage, but maybe a portion of your mortgage is just enough to give you that flexibility. Yeah, and where we really see this in normal times is people who are having kids, right? So in today's day and age, husband and wife are, make about the same amount of money. So when the wife goes off on maternity leave, what does that do to family income? Like it craters, literally cut in half. So when that happens, how are you going to make your bills? How are you going to make ends meet? A lot of clients we've seen turn to credit cards, and you know, a shortfall of a couple hundred bucks a month over two or three pregnancies balloons to a $40,000 credit card bill after a few years, right? It's easy to happen with 20, 30% annual compounding interest on a credit card. So you know, a structure like what we've just talked about would really help in those cases. I think that's a very uh, terrific point to make, and we're trying to encompass all walks of life uh, into this podcast here. So the the one you just mentioned, Vitri, certainly applies to me. Uh, but what if you're 
what if you're self as some of you can see uh, with the background here, uh, what if you're self-employed? Uh, what are some of the differences, um, Peter, I'll start with you, maybe Vitri can follow up, uh, then that you, you need to be aware of when you're heading down this road? Yeah, the self-employed people, I'm going to turn this over to Vitri about the qualification because there's different companies who specialize in qualifying for self-employed people with their mortgage because their income fluctuations, they're not really declaring all of their income, well, they're declaring it, but it's not like a normal T4 type paycheck from people because of business expenses, et cetera. We look at um, the self-employed people as an added benefit for being able to create tax deductions. And we look at the most flexibility. So when we bring Vitri in on these cases, we want to look at what would be the worst case scenario with you being self-employed and structure your plan so that it will look after you in the worst case scenario. And I'll turn it over to Vitri to let, he can let you know, what are some of the issues in qualifying for a mortgage if you're self-employed? Yeah, so the most common thing we hear out there that's really a bad advice is if you're self-employed, declare more income, right? You're self-employed so that you don't have to declare more income. That's kind of one of the benefits of that is and the write-offs. So do the math on that. If someone's giving you that advice, really do the math because there's 33 Schedule One banks in Canada and a handful of credit unions someone out there like self-employed. Now, we know who a couple of them are, right? but there's another lender out there who will like your situation and you will fit better with. So do, like, right now, if you're self-employed, you declared next to no income and you want to get a mortgage, you might be paying 1% more per year on your mortgage. That might seem like a lot if you're not doing the math, but if your mortgage is 500,000, 1% more is an extra $5,000 a year in interest. But if you're, if you're not declaring all of your income and you're, you're, you're able to write off a lot of your taxes, what if you save $10,000, $15,000 in taxes? In what world does it make sense to declare more income? It doesn't. So really help, uh, you know, have someone do the math if you don't know how to do it yourself. And, and that kind of comes into discussion of uh, the the higher mortgage rate or the higher tax rate. You're kind of talking about that. Sometimes it's not, I think people hear the word tax and uh, they, they get afraid. They don't want to see uh, like we all do. We don't want to pay any more than we have to, but uh, there probably does need to be a check and a balance or Vitri. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I've always run into people who get really bogged down or, or fixated on a rate. Um, and that's not, like we've talked about, rate isn't the only thing that matters in saving you money over the long term. Yeah, remember, just like we talked about with mutual funds, looking, purchasing something based on a rate. So it's, it's the opposite. With a mutual fund, people run into banks and they're being told, I hear commercials on the radio, our whatever earned this much last year. Well, guess what? That was last year. That's, those rates, as I said, aren't for sale. And people with the mortgages are going, oh, we will get you this rate, but this rate is not really this rate as Vitri alluded to at the beginning of this podcast. I said, when you add in fees, add in costs, you've got to add in interest rate differential, penalties, everything else. Again, it's what are you really paying? And the problem in Canada is the sales organizations and the commissions are selling things based on a payment, not a cost. So when you go, we, we lived to a car earlier, but it could be just about anything, but it's, it's always the fun one. What'd you pay for your car? 
$250 biweekly. Well, that's not what you paid for your car. You might've paid $50,000 for the car. It's the same thing with the house. What'd you pay for the house? 500,000. Well, no, if you do the wrong type of mortgage, your 500,000 could be 850,000. That's what we try and do at Everything Financial is show people the true cost of the item, not the payment of the item. And that's, that's how you truly find out how much you're spending on something. And a mortgage is just one of those other things in your financial plan that you need to be aware of to make sure you're not overpaying. Mitri, I'll dart back to you on the, the next topic. And, you know, sometimes this process is expedited. Sometimes people don't necessarily think they're getting the house that they want as quick as they end up getting it. And then they have to start this process. And so to fast track it, they have the equity loans. Uh, they have, uh, you know, uh, trying to speed up the process to get into that um, with quick approvals. Where do you come out on uh, those two items as it applies to uh, putting up putting up money into uh, mortgages and, and trying to get this process started? Yeah, so we'll let's start with the pre-approvals. Not all pre-approvals are actually pre-approvals. So we've all had that friend or maybe ourselves have gone through this where we go to the bank, get a pre-approval, and then we go shopping. We put in the offer and then it's subject to financing. By the way, if anyone ever advises you to put in an offer not subject to financing, run away. Right? That, that is just completely wrong. If you don't have uh, your financing in place and your realtor is advising you to put a subject-free offer in, do not do that. There's, there's, we've seen so many cases where that's gone wrong and they've lost their deposit or they've had to get a really expensive private mortgage to cover that. So no, that's an aside, but not all pre-approvals are, are actually pre-approvals. So what, what I mean is those quick pre-approvals that you get like maybe on your phone, all that is, it's a really just a rate hold because no one's actually looked at any of your documents. A pre-approval is not a pre-approval unless someone looks at every single document, does your credit, and has, has to look to see what could go wrong down the road here. What items on this credit or this income might a lender question? So unless you feel like you've taken your filing cabinet and kind of dumped it upside down, you might not have a pre-approval. You might not be approved. And that's why the deal can go sideways, subject to financing. And when you think of um, taking care of your, your credit history, obviously you kind of touched on that a little bit with uh, the credit card uh, uh, situation that people sometimes feel trapped in, but uh, it, it's, it's important to uh, try to come out ahead of this thing if possible. Um, so, Consumer proposals uh, treated like bankruptcy. Uh, when you when you have other costs adding up, um, thinking less credit is better. There's things that people need to consider when, like it, it's more than just going to the bank and signing on the dotted line. Let's put it that way. For sure, like when we've all been there, we've had that dispute with the cable company. We've all had that dispute maybe with um, someone who's renovated our home and hasn't quite done the job we wanted them to do. Uh, or it could even be a cleaner. Like the bill could be as little as $300, but we dig in our heels. And if they register that against your personal credit, that will drop your credit rating like nobody's business. I've seen it where it's a $300 credit card bill, or sorry, a $300 cable bill that didn't get paid because there's some dispute and their credit score dropped, I think it was like 100 points because it's been a couple of years. And none of the big banks would look at them because now there's a collection on your credit. It's 300 bucks. 
the guy made 200 grand a year. So be really, really uh, aware of when things like that happen. Really, you, sometimes you just got to suck it up and, you know, make sure your credit isn't affected. We're just about out of time for this episode. I'd love to turn it back uh, to Peter before we uh, put a, a bow on this one. Again, maybe going over some of the most useful tips for people as it applies to to everything mortgages, one of your specialties now, and uh, Vitri, if you want to follow up after, um, just, just again, some of the, the key points for people to keep in mind. Yeah, the key things to remember is make the mortgage part of your overall financial plan. Don't just make the mortgage a purchase. Don't take the banker's advice or recommendation that five-year variable or five-year is always better, especially like what Vitri saying earlier in the episode, where the average mortgage is gets broken um, after 38 months. So that's a lot of penalty money uh, you make. And if someone's going to suggest, this would be my last thing I'll leave it with and turn over to Vitri. If someone's going to suggest, so the salesperson is going to suggest, you should break that mortgage, you should get you know the cheaper rate, which sometimes the cheaper rate isn't really a cheaper rate in the end, get them to show you why. Show you the true cost not just over a few months, the true cost over the life of the mortgage, because many times they'll show you the, the cost savings over five years, but your mortgage may be 25 years. That's where you have to look at the true cost. And by the way, the one other one, and we never talked on this, but I'm going to mention it and maybe we'll talk about this or Vitri can touch on it. When someone goes to give you a change in your mortgage and a change in the rate and they say, there's no penalty, we're just going to blend the rate. This is the one I hate more than anything. Blend the rate is nice terminology for penalty because you're really paying some of the old rate, some of the new rate. The interest is hybrided. It's a hybrid, but guess what? You're still paying more because you're not getting that 1.8 rate that they're talking about. They're blending the rate. So your 3% rate won't go to 1.8. It might go to... 2.45, but Vitri can touch on that because a blend is not just a blend. It's still a higher payment. It's still a penalty. Over to you, Vitri. Yeah, that, on that blend, they don't give you, they don't blend it with the super low rate you see advertised. They blend it with a higher rate that, you know, they're not going to tell you what that blended rate is. It, it, you just don't know. But overall, you're looking at your rate being lower. But then, so it's a blend, but it's also an extend. So you have that higher rate for another three or four years, depending on how long you blended it out till. So yeah, I do the, the math on that because it may not be in your best interest to do the blend and extend. And the best way to reach uh, Peter is by going to everythingfinancial.com. You can submit questions at any time, even if it's an episode uh, previous. We're in episode 12 right now of the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. You can reach him at uh, your money at everythingfinancial.com. Vitri, uh, you're part of this, a big part of this conversation today with everything mortgages at Everything Financial. So what's the best way for people to reach out to you, whether they want a second opinion or whether they want to book an appointment, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so John, all our appointments are now done virtually as kind of we're doing now. So that, you know, you don't have to be in Vancouver, Victoria, anywhere where, where we have an office, White Rock. Uh, we can do it anywhere in BC, really. And the best way to reach out to me is through the website, everythingfinancial.com. My email is vtt at everythingfinancial.com. Or just call the White Rock office. I'm here all day, every day. Gentlemen, 
This was fun. Vitri, thanks for uh, reappearing. I think uh, we might get a special prize for uh, the, the, uh, the second appearance, and it just means that we're expecting you to show up again on the uh, Your Money Personal Finance podcast. Vitri Tron, along with Peter Sashenki, I'm John Abbott. Thanks for uh, watching, listening, subscribing to the Your Money Personal Finance podcast. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks, John. <laughs>